I'm Jonas Knox. In for R.J. Bell, alongside professional broadcaster extraordinaire Steve Fezzik. And Fez, I don't know if you believe that certain things that happen before something happens is an omen or or sort of sort of a prelude as to how things are going to go. Do you, do you buy into that at all? Not really. Okay. Well, if you did, I just want you to know that uh, I did a spit take over something behind the scenes here at Fox Sports Radio starring the great John Ramos uh, right before the show started. So if that is any indication as to what this show is going to look like, uh, get ready for a doozy, Steve Fezzik. You professional broadcaster, you. I'm just letting hey, you know. I can't even pronounce Ramos, Ramos, Ramos. So. It's Ra- it, yeah, it's Ramos. It's not. Uh, he's not uh, one of the Ghostbusters. He's not Harold Ramos. Uh, it's Ramos. Uh, very, very simple. Uh, just think of uh, Ram and then Os. And just go like that. And that's that's how the thing – but the good thing about John is that he doesn't have like 35 different drops of somebody saying the name Ramos. So in case you do slip up, he's got them all ready, you know, locked right next to his hip and ready to fire away. Um, that being said, Steve Fezzik, uh, we have got a ton here on the plate, so let's jump right into it. And listen – I don't know if you're a big fan of insurance, Fez. Do you do you do you do the insurance when you're playing blackjack? Like like when if the, you have, go yeah, ahead. you went. I'm a card counter, so it's all mathematical. Okay, I don't good. take insurance most of the time, but when the right. true count is plus three or higher, so there's a surplus of tens in the deck, it's a positive expectation to insure your blackjacks. Boring actuary answer. Okay. Yes. Well, uh, I don't count cards because when I've been drinking since 11 a.m. and I stumble into the casino after being out at the pool, uh, the last thing I'm thinking about is counting cards. I just assume everything's going to equal up to 21 and I'm going to win and then I don't and then I pass out and then the rest of the night is history. But that being said, if you were to have uh, insurance, I would like to throw a proposal out. What if in the gambling world, if you sort of call your shot on a huge upset, if you get close, you get half of what you would have made if you actually made the bet, even though you actually didn't make that bet to begin with. And the reason I bring that up is because I threw out there, what are the chances of the Brooklyn Nets on the money line to win outright against the Portland Trailblazers, who were a favorite in a must-win game last night? And Fez, I nearly pulled it off. One shot that bounced out at the end, had that gone in, I would have been a big-time winner except for the cash because I didn't actually place a bet. So what I've gotten half my money just based on the thought alone if that shot had gone in towards the end. Well, you actually had opportunity to insure it, if you will, throughout the fourth quarter. But uh, accolades to you, Jonas. You didn't make it an official best bet. And I guess ultimately it would have lost. But you did clearly favor Brooklyn, said they had a – you thought that they had a reasonable chance to win the game. They were 5-1. to one. And if you had bet Brooklyn throughout the fourth quarter, Portland most of the time trailed. So in the live wagering, which is becoming more and more popular, and certainly on a national TV game like it was last night, you could have certainly gone ahead and played back Portland at Pickham and locked in a profit on your 5-1 to one money line. Well, here's the thing. And I threw it out there just being a smartass because I thought there's no way that Brooklyn was going to win that game. But you watch that game, man, and... And Brooklyn was in total control until late. 
I mean, they were in control until late in that game. They were they were dictating the pace. Um, Portland looked like they were tired at times. Uh, Lillard, uh, down the stretch for as great as he was, majority of the game, man, down the stretch, it wasn't really him that was making big shots. It was Carmelo Anthony who had a three. Uh, it was C.J. McCollum who who buried that you know 17-footer late in the game that was, was a big shot there. Nurkic had an and-one opportunity late in the game. So as great as... Dame Lillard was for majority of that game. It wasn't really him down the stretch. So when I'm when I'm watching that final shot and I'm seeing Lavert take that shot and miss it, Portland just looked relieved. They looked like they were just happy to get the hell out of there. And Fez, for as much as we've been talking about the past few days about man, Portland looks good. Dame looks good. You don't want to mess with him. Dame's the real deal. He's a killer out there. For all of that, we've got to be equally critis- uh, critical on the back end and look at what we saw last night from Portland as they head into this play-in game opportunity against Memphis. And I don't know about you, Fez, but there was some concerning signs last night in watching the Blazers in that must-win scenario. No doubt about it. First off, though, Jonas, I got to tell you, tough crowd. Jonas Knox, critical of Dame time. Lillard only goes for, he got over 40 points last night. Not good enough. Shot it from the NBA logo, Swish. I guess you need him to make a half-court full shot for to get full credit and late in the game, a key hustle play with a steal. Feeding it into Nurkic also, as you mentioned, Nurkic came up big. But um, there are reasons for concern. We're on the same page. Well, just like think about it like this. Brooklyn has has no but like none of their stars that they went out to go get none of those guys are available we talked about Brooklyn being at a major disadvantage heading into the heading into the postseason or into this bubble restart and we can say whatever we want about Milwaukee and say well you know they they bench those guys you know for part of the game this was a true must win for Portland and it took Dame Lillard hitting 40-foot three-pointers, going for 40-plus, and getting help from C.J. McCollum, and they still had an opportunity to lose the game had Lavert buried that shot at the buzzer. That's a problem. So I, I love Dame Lillard. I'm a big fan. I love the Blazers organization because I, I think of them all the way back to the Jerome Kersey and Kevin Duckworth days back in the 90s. So I'm a big fan of what Portland does, and I love the idea of a small market and the only show in town outside of the Timbers, which is a soccer team that really gets that city going. But man, it took all that and they still barely lost. So where do we stand now uh, if we're looking at Portland and their opportunity against Memphis moving into the to the playoffs, potentially looking at two more games and then on top of that, the Lakers, the number one seed out west. Wow, if you bet, will the Timbers appear on the show today at 500 to one? Congratulations. Head to the window. Yep. How about that? Portland is a monster favorite against Memphis. You've got to risk $14 to win $1, Jonas. So you get 8-1 to one back on Memphis. Now, a lot of that is because Portland secured the 8. So Portland only has to win one game. Memphis has to win two. But nevertheless, Portland, the much better team. But I agree with your analysis. At the end of that game, it was amazing how gassed Portland was. And they only go eight deep. And they didn't celebrate. I like that. But they just kind of dropped to their knees and shuffled off the court like complete exhaustion. And we have to be worried about C.J. McCollum. Back fracture apparently just a few days ago. Played a poor game against Dallas. Yes, he got 25 points. He was 0 for 6 from 3. This Portland team is not deep enough to be able to handle a key injury in that defense. How bad has the Portland defense been? 
They went six and two in the bubble. That's great, but they're giving up 121 points allowed <laughs> per 100 possessions. That's crazy. That is second worst in the NBA in the bubble. Not good. That is crazy. So you've got them. You've got Memphis. I mean, what are my odds looking at right now? So if I were to bet a dollar on Memphis, what would I get back if they if they win these two games against Portland and get to the postseason? You get eight to one, Jonas. So one dollar makes you eight dollars. Uh, you didn't pull the trigger on Brooklyn. Will you pull the trigger on Memphis? No, because I know how that works. You know, it's it's always the oh, okay. Well, I learned my lesson. Now I'm really going to bet at this time. That'll never happen again. I'll never get almost that lucky again. So Memphis is in for it. You would think Portland comes out. Maybe they're not playing as stressed out because they've got a little bit of wiggle room. But I just wonder from you and and you talk about this all the time when it comes to motivation. And we've actually got coming up here uh, in a few minutes from now, we're going to get into real motivation when it comes to this play-in and bubble and all of that. But you've seen this before to where a team works so hard just to get there. What do they have left when they finally get there? And on top of that, you've got to beat that number one seed out West four games. Is there is there money on how many games or is there a, pro- a projection on how many games that series is going to go? Because if you're somebody out there that likes Portland, but you don't like them to win the series, but you think they could get a couple of games, are there opportunities for over under on number of games won in that series by Portland should they get to that series against the Lakers? Yeah, not up yet because obviously Portland and the Lakers are not even in stone yet to, to play. I will say this. I had been estimating the Lakers to be about a minus 300 favorite against Portland. But based upon what I saw last night with the McCollum injury, with yeah. Portland barely surviving, I think the Lakers are going to become a much bigger favorite totally than that agree. minus 300. And so I think it won't be, won't be surprised if the Lakers even are as high as minus 500. Everyone saw that Portland basically had to dodge a shot by Levert last night, and they easily could, uh, they could be back in Portland with the Timbers instead of still being in Orlando it's- today. Totally agree. And that's why it wasn't so much me throwing shade when we talked about it earlier this week when Dame went for 61. Man, they still could have lost that game. When you got a guy scoring 61 points in a game and still you you are, are just barely getting by or Michael Jordan scoring 63 and still losing – to me, that seems a little bit problematic in the long run, but nonetheless, I think a lot of people would agree Portland was the team that they were hoping was going to get into the play-in scenario after uh, yesterday's chaos and then also get an opportunity against the Lakers. Now we see how things shape out against the Memphis Grizzlies. Jonas Knox, Steve Fezzik in for RJ Bell. This is straight out of Vegas. That being said, title odds. All right, we've been monitoring this not only at the start of the year, but at the start of the bubble, and we've been doing this on uh, every few days, just seeing if there are any adjustments adjustments to the NBA title odds. So where do we stand right now as we head into the postseason, Fez? There is no clear-cut favorite in the NBA. Now, this is noteworthy because the Lakers have been the clear favorite for quite some time. Lakers have been plus 250, plus 260. Well, the Lakers are down to 3-1. to one. That's the same as the Clippers. That's the same as Milwaukee. All three of the big three, three to one, Jonas. And what's going on here? Well, obviously, the Lakers have not looked good at all in the bubble. And now, Worst case scenario in terms in terms of an opponent, a likely round one matchup against a Portland team that could certainly beat the Lakers. Be sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. 
It is time to get the latest on the weather and the conditions from the Strip. And right now, uh, we go live to the fountain out in front of Bellagio, where Steve Fezzik is currently playing Marco Polo with a homeless man in the fountain. Fez, what are the conditions right there in the heart of Las Vegas? You know what, Jonas, before I get to that, I got to chastise you a little bit. Someone drowned in those fountains okay. just about a week ago. Nice, Fez. So. Way, to, way, to, way to make that uncomfortable on the air. Not a good reference, but right. we bring the fun and excitement of Vegas Q each and every day. It's 109 degrees. It's always 109 degrees, seemingly, in August, and the neon is blinking. <laughs> Unbelievable. All right. Uh, we transitioned smoothly from that uh, piece of uh, broadcast history over to this here on Fox Sports Radio. Uh, all right. So, so, by the way, I did not know anybody that happened. Okay. I don't live in Las Vegas, so I didn't get the news on that. There's, there's news every day, so I didn't know that. So my apologies. Uh, all right. Uh, from that over to this. Steve Fezzik, we were talking about this uh, motivation factor heading into the postseason. And I'm just going to throw this out there. And I'm not saying that I'm right. But at least it's something to think about. I don't look at and and may, and again, I could be completely wrong on this. I don't look at the restart so much as a continuation of the season. I look at the restart as a brand new season. Now that seems like it's a cliche, or it would be back on on the back of a No Fear T-shirt, or somebody would have that on on a whiteboard or a blackboard somewhere, and that would be a motivating quote. But I wonder if that's not the better way to approach this. If we're thinking about handicapping the postseason. I mean, let's be honest. What do we know right now? Because we can chalk it up all, all we want to. Well, some teams are motivated, some teams aren't. Here's what I know. The same teams that were playing really well before the the league shut down are not exactly the best teams since the league opened back up. So we can claim that this is a continuation of the season, but it's really not. You don't have home court advantage. The only thing that is a tie-in to what happened before the shutdown is seeding. So with that being said, Fez, maybe we're looking at this the wrong way, and we've got to start looking at some teams on the periphery as opposed to these number one seeds or number two seeds in each side of the bracket and kind of get an idea for who we think could actually be the best team still remaining because this could be a completely different season, not so much that continuation from what we saw before. Yeah, it's a great point, and Vegas agrees with you, Jonas, in that the big three, and they've been the big three all year long, Milwaukee, the Clippers, and the Lakers, all around 3-1 to one to win the NBA title, but we are seeing money on teams other than the big threes, specifically Toronto. They were 20-1 to one just a couple weeks ago. Now, Raptors playing very well, 10-1. to 1. The Rockets, 13-1. to 1. Of course, injury to Westbrook is an issue. And the Celtics, 15-1. to 1. And then on the way down, the Nuggets, the next choice at 25-1. to 1. There is so much more uncertainty. And frankly, if it had been one continuous season and Milwaukee and the Lakers had coasted the last eight games, I'd be a lot less concerned than what I've seen from those teams is less than stellar throughout the bubble. And we talked about this at the start of, of this restart, that that the idea that these odds and these title odds didn't really change and, and you looked at it as maybe more so the the bookies, the odds makers being somewhat lazy, not wanting to factor in all of these other things that could could possibly influence how this playoffs uh, format goes. And so with that being said, now that we've gotten a glimpse of all these teams, I mean if you were just doing power rankings of just the bubble, 
where do the Lakers and the Bucks fall? And that's kind of throwing you off, off, you know, uh, kind of throwing that at you last second here. But where would you actually place these amongst the teams that are going to be in the postseason? Not the Suns who are not going to be there, but the teams that are going to be in the postseason. If we're just looking at it as a season of eight games heading into the playoffs, where would you have the Lakers on the West and the Bucks on the Eastern side of things? You know, I don't have an exact number, but they'd be in the bottom half. They're both three and five. And frankly, I haven't seen anything from the Lakers that I've been impressed with at all. LeBron looks a step slow. Um, You've seen AD struggle. The team can't make any threes and they can't defend the perimeter without Bradley. The Lakers team has really, really struggled in the bubble. And uh, we are going to have uh, more on an opportunity to make some cash uh, against one of these number one seeds. It's not going to happen, uh, but there is an opportunity. We'll get to that here coming up in just one moment. want to let you know we are brought to you by AutoZone. AutoZone is America's number one battery destination, no matter what battery problems you're dealing with. You can find your battery solution at AutoZone. Next time you're having starting trouble, start at AutoZone, America's number one battery destination. Get in the zone. AutoZone. Steve Fezzik, Jonas Knox in for RJ Bell. This is straight out of Vegas here on Fox Sports Radio. Bucks magic. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but if it did, what am I making? Amazingly, you're only making $16 on every dollar you bet. You get 16 what? to 1 Come on, on Orlando. Fez. Now, look at the dastardly bookies. Look at this spread here. If you bet Orlando, you get 16 to 1. But what if you want to bet on Milwaukee? Jonas, you have to risk $100 to win one scant dollar. That's a bid-ass differential that I want no part of, so I'm passing on that. I mean, come on. Like, what would this – okay, if this were a normal situation, if we're, if we're talking outside of the bubble and this is a 1-8 matchup, what are we looking at? What, what, would, you, what would the payout be and how much different do you think it would be compared to what it is now at 16-1? to well, we actually went back and looked historically at what's the biggest favorite been. And Golden State last year, you had to risk $200 to win a dollar in the first round. So this is not unprecedented. But um, if we were outside the bubble, Milwaukee would be an even bigger favorite, of course, because they'd have the home court and the Game 7 advantage. And so that is something that's out there. And, and I haven't seen this anywhere before but you know with the lack of sports for so many months i wonder how many sports books are going to open up you know potential prop bets and things like that but are there bets that you can place so if, if you're somebody listening to this right now and you like a team to get a couple of games maybe you like the magic to get you know a game and a half uh, uh, two games in that series to push it to six games for whatever reason not just as an example Will there be opportunities if you shop around for the chance to bet on number of games won by an underdog in a particular series? Yes, and there's actually I've seen point spreads put on terms of games won. Namely, you could bet Orlando uh, plus three and a half, for instance, in the series. So essentially, they have to win one game for you to cash your bet. So opportunities there. Jonas, I wanted to ask you, with the big three, if you had to choose Lakers, Clippers, Milwaukee, who would you take? Clippers. Yeah, I'll take yeah, the Clippers. And, the, and I think and the market is leaning that way, too. The Clippers were the number three choice for a long time, and now the Clippers are tied with the Lakers in Milwaukee as a co-favorite at 3-1. to one. Now, I think that I think that Milwaukee's got the easier path to get to to get to the finals, so it's not by a wide margin, but I'm just, you know, and this could be recency bias, who's playing the best, you know, uh, what, what have you seen just since the restart and who's looked the best, and I just feel like the Clippers... That seems like the team, although they've got a more difficult road to get there. I would go Clippers one slightly ahead of Milwaukee, and then I'd have the Lakers three. 
Yeah, and the Clippers, I think, have the best excuse during the summer camp in Orlando. They had so many players, what, Beverly, Harrell, Lou Williams, all yeah. out, that you can excuse the fact that they're a little bit sluggish to start the bubble, much more so than Milwaukee or the By Lakers, the way, right? Let me just ask you this. If she was six feet away, does that constitute as a lap dance? You know what I'm saying? You know, like it feel like it, it doesn't really add up to me, right? So if she if she's that far away, I don't know that that necessarily constitutes as a lap dance. So maybe we've been unfair to Lou Williams this entire time. It, it took me like my neurons like two seconds to process <laughs> just, that you're talking about Lou Williams and his trip to the Atlanta just, strip know. club for the for the the dinner. So yes, <laughs> I, I mean you know it's it's not what like in the vicinity. This isn't horseshoes. You know what I mean? Like I mean, you can't get kind of nearby and then it turns into a ringer and you get full credit for it. No, it's, you're either on the lap or you're not. So I don't really think that that would be considered a lap dance if you were six feet away. I'm just trying to Jonas, say. my only focus is betting the NBA yeah. and betting the WNBA. So if you want to talk about that, yeah. I certainly can offer expertise. Or you'll read the obituaries in Vegas and then throw that on my lap. You know, just <laughs> the segment. There's, there's that also that you'll throw out there, Steve Fezzik. Uh, all right, so with that being said, Fez, let's talk about another team that got some bad news. And this is a team that we've talked about that, a lot of people looked at, and, and to me, they were one of the most interesting teams heading into this restart in the NBA, and it was the Houston Rockets. I mean, what we kept hearing for years and years was, man, James Harden wears down. James Harden wears down. Um, you know, we talked about how competitive they were with Golden State when they faced him in the playoffs. And you can argue, should have won that had Chris Paul not gotten injured. Could they have actually hit a couple of threes in that game at some point? Maybe it would have tilted uh, the way that that series would have gone when they went to seven games a couple of years ago. And then you find out that what turned out to be, and, and we discussed on the air, not the biggest deal when it came to Westbrook's injury, the the issue to his quad, we find out he's going to miss the first two games of the postseason. So with that being said, Fez, what do we make of Houston and another dose of bad luck that they've had to swallow when it turns to playoff time? Yeah, big time and big downgrade for Houston. If Westbrook is out, when he is out, Houston goes from my number five rated team in the NBA to my number 11 rated team. So a fringe contender at five. Uh, if Westbrook's not right, Houston is not going to be able to make a run in the playoffs. Be sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific. Steve Fezzik, we've talked a ton of NBA. We've talked about the play-in games. We've talked about playoff scenarios. Now we turn our attentions to the National Football League, less than a month away from kickoff in the NFL. And to celebrate the return of the NFL, we've been counting down 32 all the way to one, according to Steve Fezzik, his NFL team rankings. And that brings us to team number 18. And for that, we go to the AFC West and the Denver Broncos. Yeah, Denver Broncos. Key factor with the Broncos, quarterback play, will it be improved? If we take a look at how the Broncos did last year, they won seven games. I think they should have won seven games. And quarterback play, not very good. Joe Flacco struggled, two and six. Then uh, Brandon Allen took over for three games. The Broncos only won one of them. And finally, Drew Locke came in. Now, the Broncos did go four and one in those games, but Locke's overall quarterback rating, his QBR, was just the same as Flacco. So at first glance, maybe not much of an upgrade for Drew Locke, but I think that the Broncos are likely to see much better quarterback play. How do you feel about Drew Locke, Jonas? Do you like him? 
Uh, I'm intrigued by him. I don't know. It's still way, way, way too early to tell. But there were times where, man, he made plays last year. He's The arm has never been an issue. Um, I, I think – if you're John Elway, you're hoping you can land at least one quarterback because outside of Peyton Manning, that's been a complete disaster. And it really is one of the more amazing things to think about when it comes to John Elway being an all-time legendary quarterback. His inability to evaluate properly the quarterback position has been puzzling. And, and it, you know, you can say of all the quarterbacks drafted in the last eight, nine years in the first round, there's really only been one that you would call, quote-unquote, a bust. And that would be Paxton Lynch, who Denver moved up to trade uh, to draft um, back in in 2016 uh, or 27, 2016. He was part of the Dak Prescott draft because I know Jerry Jones wanted him as well, too. And so when you factor that into, well, it's John Elway and he's an all time great player, you would think he'd know how to evaluate the quarterback position, and it just goes to show you, just because you were great at it doesn't mean that you can teach it or evaluate it, and really, if not for that world-class defense, which in my mind is underrated, one of the most, uh, one of the better defenses we've seen in a long time, is John Elway still even calling the shots there, because he got him that Super Bowl, it wasn't because of Peyton Manning, it was because of that defense, and now... All of, I think, his reputation relies on whether or not they can hit with Drew Locke because you can whiff on five, six quarterbacks, seven or eight, maybe even possibly. But if you hit on the ninth one and he turns out to be great, all is forgiven. I think this is a big-time spot for John Elway. And if Drew, Drew Locke performs well, John Elway is going to look like a smart man. Yeah, I'm having a mental uh, flashback to Osweiler throwing interceptions and Peyton Manning shaking his head, wondering <laughs> right. why he wasn't starting for the second half of the, this year. I will say this about Drew Locke. Oftentimes, we as handicappers, as betters, we look at the overall statistics, and I think it's good to really dig into the actual results because if you look at Drew Locke in his five games last year, he had one awful game against Kansas City, terrible rating, uh, threw 40 passes, was ineffective. Denver only scored three points. But that game, there was significant snow and wind in the game. And I'm not saying it doesn't snow and it's not windy in Missouri, but there were extenuating circumstances. And Kansas City's defense was really coming on under Spagnuolo at the end of the year as well. And because of that, and there's only one bad data point last year, I'm actually rather optimistic about Locke and how he'll do this year. Uh, Jonas Knox, Steve Fez again for RJ Bell here on Fox Sports Radio. It is straight out of Vegas here on FSR. So with that being said, is there anything you like season win total, prop bet, anything that you would lean on, something that you're not totally confident in, but if you had to make a pick, gun to your head, what do you like when it comes to Denver? Yeah, I don't have a best bet on Denver. I will lean over. I want to go over the seven and a half season wins. That's what the number is. The problem is the schedule. Very difficult schedule. In fact, fifth hardest in the NFL. And let's face it, that division is just stacked. There's no yeah. easy games to play, and you got to play the Chiefs twice. You also, their field games, their second place team, even though they only won seven games, they get the Steelers, they get the Titans. Just a lean to the Broncos to go over seven and a half wins. And then we've also talked a lot about, you you know, the Denver Broncos and that early season home field advantage. And I think they're one, the one team to where when you look at Denver and you go, OK, well, that's, you know, that early season home field advantage. Well, maybe they're going to take a step back like a New Orleans or a Seattle because they don't have the fans there. Well, 
even if they don't have capacity crowds, Denver's home field advantage is different from New Orleans and Seattle. Theirs is all about altitude and whether or not you're going to get guys that are in shape, which is why their record has been so impressive, especially the first couple of weeks at home. So with that being said, maybe the opener against Tennessee in prime time uh, on a Monday night maybe looks like something that, that people could jump on if they really like Denver or they think it's an opportunity to strike early. Yeah, Denver's laying one and a half to two points as a home favorite against Tennessee. And this has frankly been a wise guy play that coming out of camp, first game of the year at home, the wise guys love backing Denver. And it's all about the altitude, not about the fans or anything else. Players not completely in football shape. Think about it. Now you got to go to 5,000 feet and you're sucking wind in the second half. So Denver's been a huge moneymaker, especially out of division in that week one game. However, Jonas, I'd argue it's priced in because Tennessee, pretty darn good team, a better team than Denver, and yet Denver is favored by two points in that game. I got to go ahead and pass that game. I, I, I don't buy Tennessee at all this year. I don't think Tennessee's making the playoffs. Not I, a Tannehill I, no, fan, huh? No, I, I just... I. I think I think people got really wrapped up in the regular season, but let's be honest about the postseason. How much of that was because of Tannehill? I mean... It was... Der- all, it was- Derrick Henry threw a touchdown pass <laughs> against Baltimore. Like, and Derrick Henry, almost 400 carries if you count the playoffs last year. And historically, that has not been a good sign for a running back the next year. I got I got Tennessee going third or fourth in that division. I think it's Indianapolis. I think then it's Houston. And then I got Tennessee below both of those teams. But what the hell do I know, Fez? I mean, I, what, what, honestly, what do I know? I, I, couldn't we'll be, even, I couldn't even pull the trigger on Brooklyn last night. Had I, had I done that, I wouldn't be working today. I'd be on a yacht somewhere. But instead, I'm here sweating. My BO is off the charts. It's hot. It's humid out here in Southern California. And I'm doing it all for you, Fez. We're doing it together, you and I. <laughs> you know, there's people listening right now in Georgia, and you're complaining about the humidity in California. <laughs> I and I just, I just I have know. to laugh. What, what, what an unrelatable moment here on Fox Sports Radio. Uh, but uh, be, speaking of... Of the NFL, I wanted to get your quick thoughts on this before we get to break. Two big contract extensions handed out for George Kittle and Travis Kelsey, the tight end market. Um, we've talked about you know what players are valuable, what players aren't. In comparison to wide receivers, where do these guys stack up in the eyes of Vegas compared to the top-tier wide receivers? And I'll take it a step further. Where do they stack up overall when it comes to position players? If quarterbacks are one, how far below are George Kittle and Travis Kelsey? Yeah, so most of the tight ends in the league don't move the needle at all. In fact, there's only three of them that are worth a full point to the point spread. And Kelsey... Kittle, and I have the Raiders Waller as the three tight ends that actually move my point spread by one point when they're in or out. So a significant difference. And to put that in perspective, uh, no non-quarterback moves the line by more than one and a half points. So one point is a uh, very big adjustment. Christian McCaffrey I have as being the most valuable non-quarterback in the league worth just over one and a half points. Who's a receiver? Julio Jones? Michael Thomas is worth one and a half. Julio, I only have worth one because I keep waiting for him to get old. Hasn't happened yet. So just so people have an understanding, in the eyes of Vegas, according to one of the best sports bettors that this country's ever seen when it comes to the NFL, two-time Super Contest winner, which is a season-long pick NFL games, and you want it back-to-back years, never been done in the history of the contest. George Kittle and Travis Kelsey, two tight ends, are worth as much as Julio Jones on any given Sunday. Yes, and I fully recognize that they're not getting paid as much, and I think tight ends are undercompensated in the NFL. Wow, impressive. 